Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So Boaz was a kinsman or a redeemer. You're going to hear that phrase, kinsman, redeemer, when you're in circles and you're talking about biblical redemption. It's the, the one who can redeem something of yours. Our ultimate redeemer is Jesus. So the kinsman redeemer here is a picture of Jesus. Verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. For those who aren't familiar with the Old Testament, God had instituted a welfare system in Israel. It was for the poor and the sojourner and that they might have food and they wouldn't have to starve. And unlike our welfare system today, the poor had to work for the food. In Exodus 23 verse 11, it says, But the seventh year you shall let it rest, talking about the land, and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. So you shall do likewise with your vineyard and with your olive orchard. So this was a Sabbath for the land. Every six years the farmers would plant and harvest, and in the seventh year the land had its rest. And in that rest, it would still produce something. And that something, whatever it produced, the poor would come and they would be able to eat it. In Leviticus 19.10, it says, And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. And in Leviticus 23.22, And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to the edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after you harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So farmers were forbidden from picking up scraps, essentially. Those were for the poor. And Naomi knew this and likely factored it in when she was returning home. She kind of knew what was up. It's going to be harvest time, so there was some optimism there, very likely. So Ruth, being younger and stronger than Naomi, she asked that she be allowed to go out and find work, basically, and food. Verse 3, So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Remember, Elimelech, that's Naomi's husband. He's dead, but Boaz was from the family, so she went to glean and just happened to land in Boaz's portion of the field. God guided Ruth to this field intentionally to fulfill his plan. And God has done this many times in my life. Just recently, I went to lunch with a friend of mine that I haven't seen in a long time, and I felt like I needed to connect with the guy. We arranged to have lunch in a week or two after our conversation. The day before we had agreed to meet, a lady called from our church. She said a friend of hers experienced a tragedy in their family and asked if I call her, and I did, and it resulted in a heartbreaking visit to her and her family. And I knew nothing of the family or the circumstances, and in two days I was to travel out of town to meet the family. And I was a little uncertain of what might transpire, but I know enough about the Lord to know that he was in control. So the next day I met with my friend at lunch and I mentioned, yeah, I'm going out of town to help out a family and gave a little bit of the details that I knew, which was just very few. It turns out my friend knew the family very well, was able to offer a ton of insight that really helped me address that situation. And I was able to have a much clearer idea of how to minister to this family. Is that a coincidence? No, it's not. It's a divine appointment. And that's the same thing that Ruth situation here was God had brought her there to his field. Boaz was of the clan or the family of Elimelech. And so Boaz, the relative of Naomi, owned this field. And that's where she ends up. Verse 4, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, 
And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. So Boaz shows up. He blesses the reapers as a good boss would when his employees are working for him, especially working hard during harvest. And we know some things about harvest where I'm from. And you work very hard during harvest. Verse 5, then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? So he immediately spots Ruth. And he was likely very familiar with all the harvesters as Bethlehem was not a large town. So he asked the foreman, you know, who this young woman is. In verse 6, and the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Now, the Israelites, they could have an issue with a young Moabite woman who has just come to Israel and crept into their field. And it comes out of their history back in the book of Numbers, where a wicked prophet named Balaam, who was not an Israelite, created a huge problem for the Israelites. And he was a dishonest prophet, but God still used him. And Balaam would later be killed by the Israelites. So when Israel came out of Egypt, and they spent their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, when they were entering the promised land, God was with them, and God was giving them victory over these armies that were much stronger than they were. One king named Balak, who was seeing this happen, and he was next in line, he sent for this prophet Balaam and said, would you curse these people for me? And Balaam tried to curse them, but God's like, no, you bless them. So Balaam blessed them in front of Balak, and that made Balak really angry. But Balaam said, hey, I, I can't do anything but what God tells me to do. And so this went on, and it caused a lot of drama. But Balaam did advise the king how to sabotage Israel's relationship with God. And it involved women from Moab seducing the men of Israel, and it worked. Numbers 25.1, while Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to their sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself, or the nation Israel, joined to Baal, that's the pagan god of Peor. So when you hear the term Baal of Peor, or the incident at Peor, this is what they're talking about. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor. And that day, God sent a plague and 24,000 people ended up dying. So that's a lot of men hanging out with a lot of women, and it worked, and it really messed up their relationship with God. And in Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, this is Jesus. He's writing to a church, and he says, but I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, which they did, and practice sexual immorality, which they did. So Jesus refers all the way back to the book of Numbers and likens the behavior of this church to the behavior of Balaam, the teaching of Balaam. In Deuteronomy 23.3, it says, No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever. So you can see there's an issue with the Moabites. And I don't know how familiar they were with this story, but it was definitely part of their history. It was definitely a huge stumbling block for them. And I don't even know if Ruth was aware of it. But later in this book, Ruth is going to covertly enter the threshing floor at night where there are only men sleeping. And she basically proposes to Boaz. So you get kind of a sneak preview there. And Boaz tells her to leave before sunrise so that nobody finds out a woman was at the threshing floor. So you can kind of see why. If word got out that Ruth, a Moabitess, 
spent the night at the threshing floor, every wife of the men who were there would flip out and probably cause a riot. You know, we've heard about these Moabite women. Now we got one up there hanging out in the threshing floor with all the men, you know, could go south very quickly. But Boaz wisely, he's like, look, before sunrise, get out. So there's history between the Moabite women and the Israelites, and it's not pretty. Verse 7, this is the foreman continuing. And she said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she's continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. So the foreman, he tells Boaz, yeah, Ruth's been here all day. She's only rested once. You know, she's alone, probably scared and hungry, so she doesn't take time to mingle with anyone. She doesn't know anybody. She's just there to work. Anyone who's ever experienced being the new person at work can kind of know how she feels. Verse 8, then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. So Boaz puts Ruth under his protection and tells her to stay in his field and with his workers. And why would he call her daughter? He said, now listen, my daughter. Well, we're going to see that he already has been told about Naomi and the kindness that Ruth has shown her. And he already knows that he is a relative of Naomi and her deceased sons. So he's related to Ruth by marriage. Verse 9, Boaz is continuing, Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. So Boaz basically lays out a benefits package, and it's a sweet one. Hang out here. When you're thirsty, go get something to drink. The men have drawn the water. Don't worry about it. Verse 10, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I'm a foreigner? So Ruth shows Boaz respect by bowing down and asks why the special treatment. Now, I don't know if she realized Boaz was a relative or not. Probably not. So this is weird to her. She's a young foreign woman, new to the area, and being treated overly kind by an older man. And that could have scared her. Verse 11. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. So Boaz, he lets her know that he already knows about her and her decision to leave her country. And he knows that Naomi is related to her. So he knows very well that she has returned and has no money and the land that belonged to Elimelech cannot be redeemed by her. He also knows Naomi, his relative, is really struggling. But this young woman has shown kindness and helped care for one of his family members. Verse 12, the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So Boaz blesses her by asking God to fully repay her for all of her kindness and acknowledging that she has come to seek refuge in his God, the God of Israel. And you got to love Boaz. He just seems like a stand-up guy. Again, Ruth is a picture of the church, and she's a Gentile, and Gentiles were alienated from God. And Boaz, who's a picture of Jesus, invites the Gentiles to take refuge under the wings of the God of Israel. There's a lot of pictures of Jesus in this story. Then she said, I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Thank you, Boaz, for your kindness. Verse 14. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. We're going to see what she does with that leftover stuff here in a minute. So Boaz allows her to eat his food and wine until she's full. And it had probably been a while since she was able to eat to the point where she was satisfied. What's interesting is, since Boaz is a picture of Jesus, he gives the Gentile foreigner bread and wine, picturing communion. It's kind of neat. Verse 15, 
When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. So Boaz says, Hey, let her glean among the sheaves. And the sheaves were the big bundles, so they would stack those over there. Hey, let her go over there and grab up some stuff and don't mess with her. Verse 16. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean. So kind of, you know, drop them as you're going away and do not rebuke her. Verse 17. So she gleaned in the field till evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. So once she had gleaned, once everything was done, she threshes it or she beats out the grain from the stock, and she ends up with about an ephah of grain. So if you fill up a five-gallon gas can with grain, that's a little less than an ephah. So she loaded up big time. Verse 18. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she has gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. So not only did she bring home a lot of grain, but she gave Naomi some of that leftover food that she had. Again, you can see the character of Ruth. Verse 19, And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. So Naomi She seemed surprised knowing that the amount of grain that she brought home was not the usual amount expected from a day's gleaning, especially from a foreign woman. And Naomi was no doubt worried about Ruth. And since Ruth didn't come home till late, that likely caused even more concern. But when she sees the grain, she says, wow, uh, wait a minute. Okay, I need some details here, Ruth. How is it you got all this grain and a free dinner? Somebody found favor in you. Yep. And the guy's name was Boaz. Verse 20, And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, This man is a close relative of ours. He is one of our redeemers. He's a kinsman. So Naomi blesses Boaz and tells Ruth that Boaz is one of our redeemers. Notice she didn't say one of my redeemers. Why? Because Ruth was the widow of a relative of Boaz as well. And her husband had property rights to his father's land. So she was part of this redemption. So Boaz was a kinsman or a redeemer or a close relative who could redeem the land that formerly belonged to Elimelech, Naomi's husband. Verse 21, And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. So Ruth tells Naomi, he's going to allow me to glean throughout the entire harvest, and he is going to protect me. Verse 22, And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So what does this tell you about the times? Ruth was in danger of being harmed if she went anywhere else, and Naomi knew this. How relieved must she have been when Ruth tells her that Boaz has offered to protect her? Now, Naomi is likely sensing something is happening with Boaz more than just being kind. Since he's a kinsman or a close relative, he can redeem her land. And it's important to note that the law of redemption was put in place so families would not lose their inheritance. And God put this system in place because Israel's land is the only land that God declares, this is my land. In Ezekiel thirty-eight sixteen, this is the big Ezekiel 38 battle that has not yet occurred. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud covering the land in the latter days, and I will bring you against my land, that the nations may know me, when through you, O Gog, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. So right there, it's one place where God says, this is my land. You don't get to divide up my land. I give my land to my people. And God has divided his land among his people. And this system of redemption 
was to ensure that the families would never lose their land. So the land could be redeemed or purchased back by the owners. So if I purchase a plot of land from Boaz, I give him money to redeem the land. Later, I take the scroll that documents the deal and the conditions of redemption, and I meet those conditions, I pay him, I get the land back. Now the land comes back to me, and all is good. If I cannot afford to redeem it, a relative can redeem it for me so the land does not go out of my family. And also, if I cannot redeem it or don't want to redeem it until later, there's the year of Jubilee. And the year of Jubilee, basically, every 50 years... All the land goes back to the family. In Leviticus 25.10, And you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land and to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. That fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself nor gather the grapes from the undressed vines. For it is a jubilee it shall be holy to you, that you may eat the produce of the field. In this year of Jubilee, each of you shall return to his property. The land's going to come back to the family one way or another. So Naomi knew this. She also knew of what is called the Leverite marriage. And that's out of Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5. It says, If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her, or in other words, he shall impregnate her, and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And the first son who she bears shall succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name will not be blotted out of Israel. So that was a way that they kept the families from being destitute. So if I had a brother and I died and I had no son, my brother would take my wife to be his wife. She would bear children, and the firstborn son would have my name, and he would have rights to my inheritance. It was a way of not neglecting people. So Naomi is likely keeping an eye on the situation, thinking things through carefully. And we don't know if Ruth knew. She may not even have had a clue, but Naomi would have. Verse 23, So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley harvest and wheat harvests. So right there, you get two different harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. So she keeps gleaning, loading up with grain until the end of the harvests. And things are good. Thank you.